Welcome to Radio Saxivore, a podcast from the UK's most northerly island of Unst. This small island of just 46 square miles is home to 650 people and to Saxivore Spaceport, the country's first vertical launch programme. Throughout this podcast, we will offer a series of unique insights into the design, build and operations of Saxivore Spaceport, whilst giving you a taste of Shetland life. My name is Emily Strang. And my name is Bryden Priest. And this is Radio Saxaboard. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Radio Saxford podcast. Yes, welcome back. We're on episode 16 and we have a really, really different episode this week, don't we, Bryden? I'm actually, I'm going to hand it over to you to explain it because I know you're going to do a much better job than I will. <laughs> do you want to explain who we've got on and I guess what's what's going on? Yeah, so I suppose this is more of a, a kind of serious topic we're covering this week, um, speaking about the campaigns for tunnels between Unst and Yell and Yell and the mainland of Shetland, um, and also kind of in, hopefully in the future across the some of the other routes in Shetland that are connected at the moment by ferries. Um, this week we're speaking to two members of the Unst Tunnel Action Group, Alec Priest and Alice Matheson, who are, um, well, Alice is uh, one of the co-chairs of the Action Group, and they're going to tell us a bit about what the problem is at the moment uh, with the transport links in Shetland and why tunnels are what they think are the way forward and how they're going to kind of solve that problem, what what the action groups are doing to raise awareness of that. And I'm sure it might be something that you've seen in the news in recent weeks over the past uh, month or so. Uh, There's been a fair bit of content um, in the national news as well uh, about the tunnel action groups and about the need for this to to happen um, up and on. So... So yeah, so we'll maybe just go straight into the interview. Hello and welcome to the Radio Saxford podcast. Um, it's really good to have you on. I'm sure this is going to be a really interesting episode um, for folk to find out about what's going on with this. Um, could we start by getting a bit of background about how the Tunnel Action Groups were formed and kind of the reasons behind that? Okay, well the Tunnel Action Groups really uh, were formed on the back of the first uh, Tunnel Vision event that um, Alistair Carmichael and Beatrice Wishart had when they were up here. And following that, then we, we called a local meeting and got a lot of residents together and we set up a formally constituted group to start pushing forward. We um, began to get tunnels to take on. And then the Yell, the Yell community did the same. And on the back of that, we decided to join together and, and go for a campaign that looked at both the tunnels on Yelson and Donaldson, because really it, it should be seen as one project. Yeah, uh, when I was in the council then, we had discussions with Transport Scotland and they highlighted the fact that there wasn't a significant uh, public uh, or community support for tunnels because there was no campaign group set up uh, to support tunnels. So, uh, yeah, when the, when Beatrice and Alistair they had their tunnel vision events, it was a prime, uh, I saw there's a prime opportunity to get the, a campaign group set up in uh would carry a lot of weight we uh, transport Scotland and the government at all levels so it's uh, it's been a, a good success so far um and I suppose uh to kind of get into the the basics of what's going on to get fiance to the mainland of Shetland you have to get two ferries could you kind of describe to me the current state of the ferry service in Shetland and why you think tunnels are the way forward well I mean currently we have a, an aging fleet um, on all, all the routes in Shetland, not just to Unstanyell. And I mean, that means that they're, they're more prone to bracken and things like that. 
Um, there are also issues that, uh, particularly at the moment, with crewing difficulties because the SIC, I think, themselves says that a quarter of their vacancies on, on the ferries are, are not being filled. So there's a lot of well, agency staff coming in and or there's additional staff at all. There's been several instances lately where the ferry has just stopped because they didn't have a sufficient crew to operate it or the crew were over the hours. So that's been an issue. And I mean, the ferries themselves um, cause constraints coming into islands, both in terms of capacity and in terms of timetabling. And I mean, particularly, I mean, it's grown and grown, but particularly lately there have been huge queues going in Dunst and stuff like that and folk having to wait for hours. And we haven't the timetables because there's nothing, you kind of went out at night time, you kind of went out for meetings and things that you need to go to. And the ferries themselves um, need significant deficit funding to keep them going uh, in terms of the revenue for spend on them. So, um, but I mean, it's not just a, a case of pitting tunnels against ferries. I mean, tunnels are, are much more than just um, a, tra a transport system to make what islands more accessible. Did the key to give them was more development potential um, to, to, to bring what islands forward to look at the repopulation, economic development, social things, um, being able to win it in an emergency or in an emergency can, There are lots of different reasons why a tunnel would be rather than just setting them against ferries. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, I see tunnels as the socially responsible mode of transport that the government should be looking at, because uh, no only do, you, hey, do tunnels cost 95% uh, less to operate than a ferry uh, route, they also produce 95% uh, less uh, CO2 emissions. Uh, it's a completely inclusive mode of transport, uh, because you can, I mean, uh, Ferries are an exclusive mode of transport, which, depend, depending on your mindset, maybe soon is okay, but it's basically it excludes you for travelling when you when you need to or when you want to. So, uh, a, a tunnel takes away all that uh, that barriers uh, between the communities, and it's just a far more socially inclusive mode of transport, which. It's really how it got pushed ahead in Norway to begin with. It wasn't the financial case that got it, the first tunnels in. It was the Scottish, the, the Norwegian government's desire to connect its population and, and kind of build a strong population. And that's what they got the first thing in. And then that proved the financial case, the environmental case and everything else. And if since putting in about a thousand kilometers of tunnels in, in Norway, so it's, uh, we just have to battle on to get this first ones in, and after that, it'll be plain sailing. Yeah, and I suppose there's, there's precedent there, and you've kind of gone through some of the the positive impacts that's going to have. But could you kind of describe maybe some of the more specific key benefits to to Shetland, not just the North Isles, but to the rest of Shetland, um, in terms of connectivity and transportation, if the tunnels became a reality? Well, we think that, that pitting tunnels into the North Isles will help to stimulate our economy and and to help us keep the economic activity that we have at the moment. I mean, there, there are there are lots of things going to be developed in the North Isles in terms of wind power and the space port. We have uh, the Collieville Harbour, which is a very large um, fishing port for for that side, and there's loads of aquaculture development here as well, as long as well as the the processing factory that's in Midgell. In order to keep that and to grow it, we think that, that tunnels are the best option to go for it. For that, they're, they're the permanent solution is what we need for this.
And all when you go to any of the companies in the North Dust, and this is probably not just exclusive to them, they're all having bother accessing labour because there, there's no enough work here to fill the jobs that are available. And if you were to connect with Swedish Shetland and Menland, that would give access to a much greater labour pool. And on the other side, it would help FOC to come back to the islands or to move, can, to move into the islands and repopulate them. Because Shetland itself, as the census has just shown, has had a fallen population over the last decade. And it will be interesting to see within that what areas have grown and what areas have, have lost population. And beyond that, it's an ageing population that we have here as well. So um, the, main, the main things would be about um, stimulating our economy of, to grow and also about bringing in folk both to work and to live. And the tunnels, uh, getting the tunnels in Donaldson Yale, well, across Chitland, that's not just for what Isles, it's essentially making Chitland a bigger place. Uh, if you if you see the, the mainland Chitland, there's uh, a pool of workforce there, and then you have a pool of workforce in Yale and a pool in Onst. If you connect it all together, it's marking the whole of Shetland uh, sort of bigger, mayor, mayor, just a single pool mm -hmm. uh, of people, rather than having this divisions between communities and workforces and uh, development opportunities. It's just a, just a, a no-brainer, in my opinion. I agree with you, Um And I suppose uh, it needs to be kind of spoken about. The infrastructure projects like this need significant investment. Um, how is how are the action groups approaching securing that investment and um, public backing, I suppose, for the project as well? Well, we think the first step towards um, securing investment is to, to look at doing the work that we are currently going to do or looking seeking to do in terms of the geotechnical investigations to make sure that, that this can happen in an engineering type thing. Well, I'll have to speak about that. But also the, socio, the socio-economic benefits. So, okay, okay, we can put a tunnel between these islands. Why would we do it? That's the question we want to answer. And then the other one, of course, we all just move towards net zero and it was Yale being a carbon neutral island as well. We want to look at it from an environmental perspective and, and see what that can help to do to, to bring down more emissions and mark a more sustainable transport system in the North Isles. Absolutely. I mean, the Yeltsin ferries alone burn uh, approximately 2 million litres of fuel a year to, to move the, the cars across Yeltsin, which is a three mile uh, crossing. Uh, it's not uh, it's not a long way to be burning two million litres of fuel. Uh, so there's obviously significant uh, issues with that. Uh, and going forward with the funding, Alice is right. We you cannot really progress uh, a project like this without having the fundamental uh, information available, like technical wise. Uh, we're, so we're, that's what we're a big part of our funding. Ace Ace getting the expertise for Scandinavian countries who have been doing this for decades and decades. It's nothing new to them uh, to, to be able to come and do the full range of geotechnical investigations, which will allow us to see what the ground conditions are under the seabed. It'll allow us to see what the best optimal route for the tunnel is, uh, which we just don't have that information at the minute. The Council doesn't have that information. It's never been done. Uh, so. That would allow us to know exactly how long a tunnel is going to be, and that allows for a far more accurate costing of it. So, and then uh, you look at the Orkney Islands Council, who's putting a, a request into the Scottish government for funding its replacement of its ferry fleet of uh, eight hundred million pound, uh, and then uh, for which to replace these tunnels, you're speaking about 
Faroese costing is around about 24 million a kilometre. And Don's Tunnel should be around about two and a half kilometres. The Yale's ending maybe four, four and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it adds up to be, I don't think, in real terms, when you actually get these things built, as the Faroese and the Norwegians has found out, there's no that much difference between a tunnel and a ferry cost. Yeah. But the difference with a ferry is you only recover about 10% of the operating cost and 0% of the capital. We a tunnel, it takes about 15 years-ish to recover the full capital cost that you put into it. And you recover the full, uh, the full operating cost, which is the only financially stable option out there. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, uh, if we don't go for this uh, financially stable route, uh, God knows what our uh, uh, service will look into the future when public sector finances get a bit tighter. I think the other thing we need to point this out is that the work that we are doing is um, it's not a SAMHSA stuff the council is doing. The council is looking at a preferred option on each route. They're not going into this much detail here. No. So the work that we are doing will be complement what they're doing and feed into feed into their stuff in order that we can ta- we can progress this project forward to a fundable position. And that's what we need to get to. I mean, Fog have been speaking about tunnels and shit over what, the past 30 years. I wonder if further he knows who work we started, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. And I think the council themselves will admit they're up to new. They've only ever paid lip service to this. But we're now getting to a point where the costs of running the ferry service and anything else maxed it. A, a very viable option to look at fixed links of tunnels. That's what we want. Um, and we think now is the time to be pressing the heat with that. Yeah. Sounds like an absolute no-brainer. Um, and so so what's the kind of initial next steps for the action groups? Where, where, where are you going going next with us? Um, at the moment, we're trying to secure funding to do the initial work, like the initial studies that we're, um, that we're trying to secure in terms of geotechnical, socioeconomic and environmental. And if we can raise enough money, we would also like to do some boreholes in Blomelsund and Yelsund once the route has been identified because we didn't see any point in doing it before you can exactly where your tunnel would be likely to go. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, we're continuing to work with the community and businesses and public bodies to uh, raise awareness and push this forward and to raise finance. Um, we have a crude funder out at the moment uh, to, to raise uh, money through, well, through our social media and web pages. And um, we are also having community information and fundraising events. We had a Sunday days in Usant, uh, which was very well attended last Sunday. And uh, the boys come off in North Yale and made a very substantial donation to the to the tunnel campaign as well. Um, we have we're, we're planning for an event every month, both in on and in Yale. And then we're going to finish up with I think an online auction just in time for uh, Christmas. So we'll keep your eye going for that one as well. Um, and then beyond that, um, next next couple of weeks, um, me and uh, Duncan Gray, who's the other chair on the on this new tag, and Stephen Henderson, who's one of the chairs for the app, for the Y tag, we're going up to Faroe on a fact finding mission. And I think the main the main things that we're going there to find out is firstly how they fund their tunnels in Faroe, because that that's the the main way. Okay, we need to look at all the different potential avenues to this for, for getting this project done. And we're also going to go out and visit communities that already have tunnels to look at um, what that's done for their community in terms of repopulation, in terms of the services that they have, things like that. 
and um, we're also going to look at some of the more technical stuff in relation to tunneling as well and, and speak with our government and things like that. So that's the sort of more immediate action over the next 14 months, I think. Yeah, and then we'll be continuing then with uh, ongoing meetings with the, with the council uh, to, to help coordinate this work closely together with them and, and be able to fill in all the blanks that they don't have information-wise. And uh, the same goes for the Scottish Government and the UK Government. Uh, we'll be, we'll be uh, lobbying uh, as uh, much as we could to uh, get uh, our ideas across and uh, just have continued engagement with them. There have been, there've been uh, quite decent and I mean, I think the, the, one of the things that we need to get across to them is, okay, we might be sitting here looking for tunnels to go in Dunstan Yell, but this is not just about Dunstan Yell, this is about the whole of Scotland, because it's it's like what happened in Norway, it's like what happened in Faroe. Once that you get the first ones in, that sets the scene for everything else happening. Yeah. And um, one of the things that Alec is very keen to say is that Scotland as a nation should be at the forefront of this work about the UK, we're an island nation, mm -hmm. but at the moment we are very much playing catch-up. When you sit and listen to Fox saying, oh, this is new, this is no new. It's been being done around the book list for decades and decades, and it's time that we gotten on to that and, and started to reap the benefits of what can be done with permanent links between our islands. Oh, yeah, Scotland has a disproportionately high number of skilled workforce for its population compared to the really the rest of the world almost uh, due to mostly for engineering projects we wind and oil and gas and historically uh, so there's quite a lot of a high percentage of the workforce in uh, skilled engineering trades which uh, scotland could will take advantage of this scotland is 85 ish uh, ferry routes that uh, there could be a significant number of them as tunnel routes it's uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'd love to see Deans and Onsenyel going in as soon as possible. I'd like to see them all across Scotland and open up the whole, uh, the whole of the country and uh, be a far more efficient use of taxpayers' money, which would free up a lot of money for schools, hospitals, and other public services. I mean, it's an awful lot of money. There's 23 million alone in Shetland, and that's that's only a small percentage of the big overall cost for running ferries in Scotland. So. Yeah, and then I th something I found interesting is reading through on your grade funder kind of some of the personal comments that's on there um, about the impact it's going to have on, on their kind of lives. Personally, for both of you, what kind of impact would tunnels have, have on your lives? What difference would it make? Well, because I buy nonsense and work in yellow, it'll have a daily impact on me. That's yeah. for sure. Um, but it, I mean, it, it's about accessibility. It's about bringing more folk into our community to, to keep our services and our social stuff and that going. I mean, one of the things that we haven't spoken about is like when things happen in the time of emergency. And I've had folk coming to me and saying, telling me about times when they've been sitting in a ferry queue and couldn't get to, to the last minutes of a kind of loved one or a family member and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And and keen missing missing events or, or the bairns not being able to go to things because they couldn't have went back. And personally, I can um, vouch for how it feels to be sitting in the mainland and not be able to get to Unst when your house is burning down because that happened to me. King, mm -hmm. there's lots of different reasons why thought we want ferries, but the most important one is to uh, keep our islands going and and not let them continue to decline in, in the way that they have. I mean, the ferry service has served us very well over the last three, 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 four decades. 
but we've now reached the time where we need to get into the 21st century and we need to have permanent links that will help our islands to, to grow and yeah. reach their full potential. When, uh, when uh, we had our three burns, we had to, you had to, you can abide in Ulster for two weeks before you're due. So we had to abide in the mainland for fortnight, which luckily for Wes, Ellen's three sisters all abide in the mainland, Shetland. Uh, half my siblings is in the mainland, UK, and the other half is in uh, Halls and Yale. So <laughs> it's quite a lot of us, but neither of us are in the mainland. So uh, we were lucky that we had uh, family that we could buy that uh, while was three burns. But if anybody else that doesn't have that family, I mean, it's a very expensive proposition just before you hear burn. It's been in two weeks accommodation in mainland Shetland. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just pretty things like that. I mean, there's multiple stories or, yeah. or obstacles that the ferries caught. Well, no hay in a tunnel causes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, it's just uh, it's it's almost too much to 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 get into one podcast. I mean, you could hear hours and hours of, of people's personal experiences mm -hmm. uh, coming to us. So yeah, it's just a it's a wide range and. Uh, uh, series of uh, issues that uh, could be resolved very simply we we a very responsible use of taxpayers' money. <laughs> yeah. And they're not all financial, some of them are social, some of them are emotional. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's just, it's everything. Well, thank you both so much for coming on and speaking about this, um, and hopefully we'll have some more content coming um, in a couple of weeks' time as well. Um, still about the tunnels, so yeah, thank you so much. It's such an interesting topic and one that I feel like if you're from like mainland Scotland or like mainland Britain it's just not something that's often thought about because like why would you if it's not like an issue for yourself and I think it's one of those things that like I because I only go up to Shetland every so often like I don't find it a major inconvenience mm -hmm. but like I can see like from the issues um they brought up like it's just some those things you don't even think about, but actually, no, that's quite severe cases, and like that that stuff does actually happen, mm -hmm. and it is something that like the, just I think Shetland would benefit from having these tunnels just massively, like it it just would. Yeah, I I mean, obviously, growing up in Shetland, growing well, not just Shetland, but growing up in Unst, um. I can look back and think of specific situ well specific opportunities that I've missed out on because of ferries and having to rely on that and having to be con constrained by that almost um constricted by having to be back and on by a certain time you can't stay in Lerwick past a certain time if you're having to having to get home if you don't have accommodation so it's even things like I'm thinking about specific music rehearsals when I was playing at the tattoo with the fiddlers and um, they would have rehearsals every Tuesday and Sunday I think just pulling that out of midair um but I would never be able to go to them because I was up and unst yeah. and that's on the mainland and it'd be at a time where it would be just too difficult to get back up so it was a bit of a nightmare um but on the flip side of that because I've grown up there and you're used to that I'm gonna say disappointment but used to that um, being something that impacts on your life, you just get used to it. Yeah. Um, but I think we need to recognise that it's not normal. Um, and even now, like having lived down in the mainland um, for uni and things like that, you you do realise it's not normal to be so constricted by by something like that um, and miss out on opportunities. It, it's a shame that that is the case. Yeah, I think it would just allow for more freedom. Yeah. 
a lot more freedom and as you were saying like it is that thing of having to sort of time your visits Mm -hmm. like you do have to actually like plan through whereas I think it would help just like relax things a little bit as well yeah um and it's even the case with people with certain medical conditions like I know Alex spoke about um when you're expecting a baby then you have to stay on the mainland um for two weeks before the baby comes but or before the due date is but like even if you've got certain medical conditions it's not wise for you to be staying in once due to the emergency services situation um, yeah. but if an ambulance could get straight down to Lerwick like it can save lives this as well so well that's um, that's actually do you know I think I have experienced quite a few like I've seen quite a few helicopters have to come yeah. in to Unst and I've, I just feel like if that can be restrict like restricted a little bit I just yeah. like imagine how helpful that could be for some people yeah um, and and even that it's a sustainability thing as well like if well even just generally Alec went through loads of figures during that interview but um even in terms of that as a specific situation sending a helicopter out to get somebody yeah yeah it, it's yeah it really does make sense Brian I I've just remembered something that I think we need to talk about. Did you not edit a video for them that you need to promote here? Yeah, so there's a couple (laughs) of things we need to promote, and that's definitely something you should go and have a look at. Um, So if you go on Facebook and have a look at the Unst Tunnel Action Group or the Yale Tunnel Action Group, um, and on their YouTube channel as well, um, the Unst and Yale Tunnel Action Groups, then uh, they produce the kind of short sketch, uh, which is quite funny. It might give you a bit of an insight into Shetland dialect as well, if you're not from Shetland. (laughs) <laughs> um, to raise funds so they've got the crowdfunder that they were speaking about during that interview um, uh, is still active so you can go and donate and um, it would be really great if you could um, so yeah just go and maybe have a look at that it's about a 15 minute sketch so I think it's, it could be the start of a great sitcom <laughs> <laughs> Good well I've hope, I hope you've enjoyed this sort of different I feel like we haven't done an episode like this in a while like it mm. obviously we are here for the spaceport and the tunnels will have an effect on people coming up and stuff for the spaceport but it mm-hmm. i hope you've enjoyed like seeing this sort of what else is going on on island like i know we did stuff about tall ships and stuff but that all related back to the spaceport yeah um so it's been nice to do and hear about something different do you have anything else to add bryden or uh no that's really kind of it but as you're saying there links to the spaceport as well with the development of that and um, the impact that could have on the spaceport and uh, by having a tunnel would make make a big difference so so yeah please go and support their crowdfunder we'll put it in the description of this episode yes (laughs) and we will see you in two weeks you've been listening to radio saxivord join us every sunday for a new episode to follow the progress of saxivord spaceport visit our website saxivord.com and to keep updated on the podcast, join the conversation on Instagram and Twitter at Radio Saxford and use hashtag Saxford Sundays. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time.